Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Folks, the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome again, everybody. Mike and Mark with you. So happy you're with us. Now, folks, how'd you like to spend 10 years with one team in the big leagues, never, ever make the playoffs, and then decide to play one final season, change teams, and you go ahead and win it all? Well, Mark, that's exactly what our guest and your former teammate did, Jeff Jenkins, our guest on this episode. Mike, Mike, there's certain guys that you remember in one uniform, and Jeff Jenkins is that guy. Milwaukee Brewers, number five. But when you have that opportunity to go somewhere else and you choose the right one, this is the first time he ever went to the playoffs. He ends up beating the Brewers, and he ends up again with a World Series championship. What an unbelievable story, and I can't wait to hear that journey throughout those playoffs, culminating on putting a ring on your finger. Jeff, 11 seasons, you make an all-star team, you win a World Series, a lot of wonderful moments to look back on, but if I had to ask you to distill it down to one special time, something that jumps off the page at you, what would it be? I mean, it's got to be, you know, Game 5 World Series 2008 with the Phillies. Um, Kind of a different year. I had a um, a platoon role in right field with Jason Worth all season long, and with about six weeks left in the season, I... I was facing Greg Maddox, running on a ground ball, and I, I tweaked my groin. So I had to go on the DL, and while I went on the DL, I mean, Worth just went off, stealing bags, hitting homers. He's the best player on our team for that stretch. And when I came back off the DL, Charlie Manuel kind of came to me and said, hey, uh, hey, hey, kid, uh, can you uh, – this, this uh, Worth guy, he, he's playing right now. And uh, I'm like, Charlie, the kid needs to play. Play the kid. But, I'll, you know, but I told him, like, hey, I'll be ready to go. So fast forward to the postseason – Worst playing every day, you know, I'm top stepping it, you know, cheering out my lungs and stuff. And, um, you know, finally my opportunity comes in game five. We have this, uh, we, if you remember back, we tied the game uh, and there was a 48 hour, almost 72 hour rain delay. And so the pitcher spot was coming up. Charlie Emanuel came to me about 10 minutes before that game and said that I was going to be the hitter and uh, worked the count to three, two, I believe off Grant ball four and, and wrapped a double to right center off the wall, came up fist pumping. And, and for me, I ended up scoring a run, helping the team win the game and really just fulfilled my experience being on the Phillies for the year, but also to be a World Series champion. I mean, you can't, what can you, how can you trade that in? Jenks, I want to dive into that uh, because it's such a unique situation uh, with our listeners. Uh, for the World Series, uh, Bud Selig was the commissioner at the time. And in Philadelphia, it was supposed to rain for three straight days. Yeah. And you guys end up playing game five and they have to delay that. And like you said, it's 48 hours. And then they resume that game because it's a world series game. They don't play it over. Um, and he waits 10 minutes before the game. What was your emotions? Was there a reason for him waiting that long? 
or uh, was that something that you were preferred going into that at bat? Because you started that re- resumption game uh, leading off the game. So that's very unique in your, your sense. Well, we had, so we had myself, Greg Dobbs, and, and Matt Stairs uh, ready to hit off the bench. And I remember vividly to take the, the fan into the kind of the backyard of what was going on for two days. Imagine thinking that you could be the guy, not knowing you're going to be the guy. So we were taking, I mean, I took a thousand swings. I mean, just was just working, working, you know, hitting the ball the other way up the middle, trying to stay through the ball, not trying to, you know, get in that jack mode thinking, Hey, you know, just get, get the, get your bat, get the inning started and, and get on base and see what happens. Um, it's just, uh, it's one of those moments that's really tough to explain to the fans, but I think Charlie in the end did the best thing he could have done because he waited, you know, right before the game to tell us. So we just, you know, didn't, didn't lose sleep for two days over it. And he's just like, Hey, let's go. It's time to get us going. Uh, Grant Balfour that you mentioned, you, you took the bat against, I, I mean, he was dealing, uh, it, this was a guy that had some really electric stuff, plus fastball, good breaking ball. You run the count to 3-2. Do you remember that at bat and how it sequenced? And then you get into that position where 3-2, you're, you're sitting dead red and absolutely ripped this ball to right center. Take us through that at bat, what you remember. Yeah, I remember vividly going up thinking, hey, you know, this guy throws 97 miles an hour, 98 miles an hour. and But it's a pretty straight fastball, a little arm side run. So, which was a great matchup for a guy like me that had the launch angle that we all talk about now. I was, I was a prototypical launch angle guy back in the day, but uh, they wanted us to flatten out our swings, of course. Um, But anyway, in that moment, I just thought, Hey, look, get a fastball to hit and don't miss it. And um, I think I ended up taking the first pitch, uh, working it to two Oh, I think it was. And then uh, I'm trying to go through the bat in my head, but I fouled the ball off and I work it to, to a three, two count. And I just said, hey, just just be on time, get loaded early, uh, be on time and just, you know, put something hard in play and see what happens. And, you know, it was one of those things he threw kind of a, a fastball down and in that I hit. And, uh, you know, the wind was actually blowing in from right field that day or else I, I knew from the, the sound of it and the feel of it, it should have went out of the yard, but it's just blowing really hard in from right. So went off the wall and got the double and, and uh, you know, got things started. Jenks, I love it uh, because when you're at the main stage and this is the first time you ever were in the playoffs, you didn't make the playoffs with the Milwaukee Brewers, which will forecast everything you went through that uniform. But this is your first opportunity in the playoffs and you're at the biggest stage, the grandest stage, and that double happens and you get to second base. Uh, You were, uh, I would say, measured with your enthusiasm when you played the game and because I was a teammate of yours I absolutely loved your demeanor uh, but you get to second base and you showed your emotion more than I think I've ever seen you express yourself can you take us through that when you get to second base looking back to the dugout all those emotions yeah it's 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 kind of hard to explain um, you know to the fan that's watching the game when you when you step out on deck and it and you know as well from all the pinch hitting uh, that you have done in, in your career, it's a much different mindset coming off the bench than it is if you're starting the game. You know you have your four bats, you can kind of settle in and, and do your thing. But when you come off that bench, it's like, oh my gosh, this is my one my one chance right now in this game. And for me, it kind of reverts all the way back to when I was playing wiffle ball with my brother on, on my front lawn, and we would pretend like, hey, I'm the crime dog in, in Game Seven of the World Series, or I'm Tony Gwynn, or I'm you know, Don Mattingly were some of the guys that I would try to do left-handed hitters. And, and so it's so weird, the circle of life, all of a sudden 
I'm literally in game five in game, you know, this is, this is my wiffle ball bat. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and this is my chance. And I'm like, you know, so you're trying to go through the don't screw it up part and get through that. So you're like, Hey, let's go. Just get a fastball a hit. Don't miss it. So, um, you know, that was kind of the, the mindset that I had going into that. And when he told me, it's like, you know, your heart starts racing. And the biggest thing you got to do is just calm down and put a good at bat up in that situation. You, you go ahead and score the go ahead run. You guys win the World Series. You close out the Rays. Explain to us and our and our listeners uh, that feeling of knowing that it's a final and you're the World Series champion and you guys are the best for that that particular year. Well, yeah, it's 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 euphoria. I mean, it's it's uh, you know kind of out of body a little bit because you know every man on that field turns into a boy. Uh, when you're rushing the field, I think I jumped on the pile like four times. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> but uh, I, I really just, I kind of embraced the moment. It was still obviously the latter part of my career. Um, some guys were just starting their career. Some guys were kind of in the middle. But for me, um, you know, and I almost was a Padre. It was between the Padres and the Phillies. And I, I chose the, pot, uh, the Phillies just because I loved their lineup and what they had a chance to win. And so, you know, as a veteran player, um, you know, I felt like I put a ton of time in and had a lot of success, but I wasn't on a winning team in Milwaukee when we played together and stuff. And it was so much fun to go out every day and see this lineup we would put out there and just like, you know, that we would, we, I knew we had a chance to win every single night we went on the field and any player that plays the game. And you can say that about your team. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a pleasure go, not only going to the yard, uh, you, you're sleeping at night, road trips are fun. The food tastes better. Um, just everything about the experience is amazing. And so to, to end that cultivating and, and winning the whole thing, it's just something that nobody can ever take from you. It's, it's, and any player that has one knows that feeling. So Jeff, you have all of those emotions that go into this big World Series championship. Obviously the town's electric, and I want to ask you about Philly in a second, but inside <laughs> that clubhouse, I would imagine the parties really start. So give us your favorite memory of the champagne flowing and what you guys did to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, you're doing it at every phase, but I remember there being 150 bottles of Dom Perignon on ice when we got off the field. And I tell my my you know, some of my closest friends all the time, imagine taking your best buddy and just going down into a clubhouse after winning. And you, you have all this champagne that you literally just, you can spray on everyone and you can drink some and you can do whatever you want with it. And it's just, it's just a, another part of the process that, you know, I still have my, my goggles that are soaked from, from back then. I still have, you know, I still kept like, I don't know. I still have all the stuff, hats and shirts and, you know, stuff from the celebration and everything. It's just, it's hard to, hard to get rid of that stuff because it means so much to you but more than anything um you know it's just uh it's really really fun to you know play for a franchise that that embraces their uh you know uh, the, the players that played there before and and uh knowing that they won in 1980 and now we we put one in 08 it's just a it's a special thing and it's special to celebrate like that and, and anyone that gets a chance to do it knows what we're talking about you know what, Jenks, uh, my manager, Tony LaRusso in St. Louis, said something interesting I'll never forget. He said the greatest moment for him as a manager is to see someone pop that champagne for the first time. Um, and you got to do that on the greatest stage. Obviously, leading up to that, you celebrate every step of the way. But the World Series, you're popping the champagne. That's euphoric, as you mentioned. This is interesting because after that celebration, you continue that with Pat Burrell. And 
This is a guy that celebrated better than most in the game of baseball. And I say that with all due respect. You got to spend time with all your teammates and the journey that it takes to get to that point. Do you remember that celebration with Pat? Uh, are you referring to after after we're done? Yes. Well, let me let me. This is this is amazing. So um, I'm basically now the celebration's over in the clubhouse, and now we're like, well, no one's going to bed forever. So we're like, where are we going, right? So everyone's like, yeah, we're going downtown to, to Pat Burrell's penthouse. Perfect. Uh, well, we get up to the player lot. I mean, it's like zombies. There has to be like fifteen thousand people that are blocking the gates. I mean, it's it's I, I've never seen anything like in my life. So there's some cops up there and. You know, we end up, me and my brother, and uh, I believe uh, my agent at the time, we asked uh, one of the cops, like, hey, you know, would you mind giving us a ride downtown? He's like, absolutely not. Get in the back. So he puts us in the back. He's got like a, like a Explore Explorer. Um, and we're going, I mean, a half a mile an hour going through <laughs> these people, right? Because you're, they're like jumping on the car. They're trying to, you know, high five. We're high fiving them outside the side of the vehicle. Finally, we get through it. And this guy, you know, he finally takes off. He, he gets to the first stop sign. He's going to turn left, I think, down Broad Street. And this guy's walking up with a flashlight. And it's a sergeant. And he, he looks in with a flashlight. He goes, great job, boys. Go have some fun. <laughs> so the lights go on, right? And he's zipping down. I mean, people, it's on the side of the streets. They're hugging and jumping up and down and fist pumping and going crazy. And as we're driving, he goes, hey, uh, I actually said, God, I wish I had a beer right now. And he goes, well, Grab one in the back. Get one of the cooler in the back. I went, what? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So there's like a cooler with like 40 beers in the back of this cop car. And so we each grabbed two of them. And he goes, hey, what about me? <laughs> we give the cop, he, he's literally having a beer with us while he's driving the cop car down Broad Street. And then we finally get down there. He parks in the middle of the street with the siren going. People are like, what's going on? They see it's, you know, me getting out or whatever. And they're now they're rushing the thing. He's shivering them, getting them away. We finally, we only had to go about 50 feet to get in the doors to Pat's place. Here's the best part of the story. We get in the elevator with the cop. We, we go to the, basically to the top. The elevator's open and every single player had a cop take them there. So we, <laughs> so we partied with the cops all night. It was probably, they, I guarantee they still talk about it being the greatest story because for us, it was, it was awesome to share that moment with these guys that have been around the team and they consider themselves part of the team because they let us in and out of the building. They protect us every day. They're on the field, you know, protecting us. And it's just a special moment for us. And it was really special to, to be with them. Take us to the parade after that. You celebrate with Pat. Um, you probably have a couple days where they have to prepare for this. What was that like for you? Uh, just having that ability to go through a parade and have Philadelphia really cheer you all on crazy 3 million people they estimated being at it like 2.8 3 million people and I'm not sure what you think that looks like it's a sea of red and I mean all the way up the, the buildings and for for miles and you know you just you're sitting there you're going through it and you're really just trying to take it all in because you know that this is this is not what most people get to do and so I think it's a it's a mixture of being thankful it's a mixture of of being happy. It's a mixture of um, trying to embrace the moment and, and just, uh, you know, really in that moment for me and knowing like, Hey, I, you know, I have, maybe I got a couple of years left playing, whatever it is, just knowing that like, okay, I, I checked that box. Like I got to an all-star game. I won a world series. I, you know, I played 10 years for another franchise. I, you know, I did all these little things that, you know, of course, in the end, we all want more, 
But I think when you finally get done playing, you just have a great respect for one, how hard the game is to play watching these hitters hit now. And two, just going, gosh, I played for quite a while. I mean, I did a good job. I held my head up. I was a good teammate, put some good stats up, won a world series, did some, did some great things. And for me, the the world series just kind of like, it was the culmination of a fun career that turned into an amazing career, you know, winning a championship. Jeff, we're, we're going to go back to your call up and everything else, but uh, the cherry on top is that ring ceremony. And I don't want to minimize this because you've taken us down this, this route of your appearance in world series championship. And that was your last year. What do you remember that ring ceremony and how that went down? Well, it's just, a, just a, you know, just a lot of fun. I mean, it's just uh, when you see, I think our diamond, our, our ring had 111 diamonds in it. So every ring has a story behind it. And our story was, I believe there was 99 uh, diamonds in it, one for every regular season win. Then there was two baguette diamonds for the uh, eight, 1980 and 08 championship. And the rest of the diamonds were up there for the postseason, for all the wins in the postseason. So it's kind of cool that the rings have a story. And every time uh, I share that with someone, you know, it's it's cool that it's not just, oh, it's just another ring. Like, and I, I don't wear it that much. I've probably worn it 10 times because it's so big and gaudy, but it's amazing. It's just, you kind of, you want to use it in special occasions, but it's really cool that these rings have a story to them. And I, I think the ceremony was amazing, you know, seeing everybody again and just going out there and, and get your rings. But more than anything, it's a, it's a special occasion for it's not, it's an extended thing all the way through the front office and the people at the stadium and everything. It's just an amazing day. You know, you touched on the um, way it resonated through the city when you told your story about the officers partying with you. But on a grander scale, most fans look at Philadelphia as perhaps one of the toughest places to play. Even as a home player, we can ride you pretty hard. But the reward when you drop a World Series title on that town what was that like, just walking the streets thereafter, the day-to-day meeting those folks who you just played your heart out for? Well, it was amazing, but I tell you what, one, one really good story about that is we, we literally just win the East. We beat the Mets. We go, you know, go on the field, you know, and high-fiving and champagne or whatever. So as anybody knows, well, we still have, you know, give or take maybe 12 games left in the season. So the next day after a celebration, you win the division, right? You give all your starters, you know, the day off and the guys that aren't playing, they go in and play. So Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Victor, you know, all those guys sat and Brunt, you know, Jenkins and Bruntlin and everyone else. Not everyone can sit, but for the most part, the veterans get their, get their day off. So Ryan Howard gets his day off just when the division, I mean, it's, Again, not to use the word euphoria again, but it, it is. And, and it's amazing in the crowd. So we get a day off. So the next day, the starters are back in. Well, if you know Ryan Howard's season, I believe he won the MVP that year. <coughs> yes. He, he had like 48 tanks. It might have been 50. It might have been 50. Uh, I can't even remember his stats. But he, the guy had just an amazing season. RBIs through the roof, hit, hit for average, home runs, everything. And he goes back in to play the next day. He goes 0 for 5, and they're booing Ryan Howard. A day after we just win the division and we're, and we're going to the postseason with the best offense in baseball, they're booing. So is it a hard town? Yes, it is. They, they want, they want results. And you know what? We gave them results. So we kind of walk on water there, but I understand. I, I fully understand um, how tough it is and, and they, they expect results. And to be honest, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we're going out there doing a job and, and making a lot of money. So we need to go out there and play our butts off every day. 
Well, Howard did have a special year. You're, you're right. He had 48 home runs and 146 RBIs that season. That's what I'm saying. Unbelievable. I told you, you know, what the. Uh, every at bat, boo. I'm like, is this for real? Come on. And now you'll never have to pay for a cheesesteak for the rest of your natural life. It's true. That's Let's true. spin the clock back. So you're 33 when you win the uh, World Series with the Phillies, but you're 23 uh, in 1998 with the Brewers. You were a first-round pick in 95, but 98 is when you get the call. April, what do you remember about finding out who told you and who'd you tell right away? Gosh, I was in, I was in Tucson, and, and uh, I'm literally trying to blank on who my manager was. Uh, but, you know, manager calls me in, and, and uh, you know, it was a pretty standard, pretty standard, you're, you know, you're getting called up. But, um, you know, he kind of set, set the tone of like, hey, you know, you work, worked really hard and, you know, you, you put the time in, your numbers are there and the Brewers need you because John Jaha got hurt, our first baseman. So um, I just remember walking out of that office going like tingling, like, arm, you know, the hairs on my arm were standing up going, oh my God, this is happening. Like, this is really happening. So best, best feeling in the world for a player. And I think everyone has their moment of like who they talk to or this or that. But for me, I think it was walking into the, I got called up to Candlestick Park and I walked into the visiting clubhouse. I got there well, like hours and hours before people have got there because I just, I couldn't wait. And to go into the clubhouse for the first time and walk to your, to your locker and see your, your jersey hanging there with your, with your last name, you know, it's, I remember just sitting in that chair, just staring at it going, oh my God, this is, this is really happening. And I grew up in Sacramento going to Dusty Baker's baseball camps all the time, me and my brother. And I go out for early batting practice. Barry Bonds is out there hitting. And there's Dusty watching early hit. And I go, oh, my gosh. I, I, and, and literally, I walk up to the cage to introduce myself. <clears throat> Not that I needed to, because I've met Dusty, you know, 10, 15 times. And he turns and he goes, man, I saw you get called up. I'm really old. Because <laughs> all you can think about was me as a kid. And now I'm in the big leagues playing again, you know, and it's, he, but he was really, really happy for me. He said, Hey, good luck to you. I know you're going to have a good career and uh, you know, just, just have fun and, you know, just show up and be accountable. Jenks. I, I love the fact that you mentioned when you walk in that locker room and see your name, your number, uh, that moment to me is always embedded in my mind because that's the special moment, but also you have to go out and you have to perform April 24th. As you mentioned in Candlestick, you're facing Oral Hershiser in a Giants uniform, known for a Dodger, but you're facing Oral Hershiser, and your first at bat and your third at bat were special. Take us through those moments in that start. Yeah, I mean, you know, back in the day, we didn't have a, the easy video stuff to watch. You know, now you can just like plug something in and it pops up 30 different pictures that throw to you like that. But um, back then, we had the VHS tapes. You remember right. how annoying yeah. that was? Yeah. yeah. Rewind, stop, push, slow-mo. Oh, and then there was the fuzz. I mean, oh, my God. See, so it's just, oh, it was so hard. So these guys are so lucky. They have no idea. But I remember watching the video on it. I've been to watch this guy pitch. And then the history of him, the World Series, and the, the innings, you know, not giving up a run deal and all that stuff. <clears throat> so for me, I'm in Candlestick, but I'm facing Oral Hershiser. I mean, this guy. <laughs> I'm going to face a Hall of Famer. Like, this is crazy. So try not to get too caught in up, talk, caught up in on it. I just uh, tried to go into the game thinking, hey, get a good pitch to hit. Look for something up. 
in the zone because you know sinker's flattened out and you know, whatever whatever that spitball he was throwing us yeah. Well, yeah right he probably doesn't like getting checked all these pitchers sorry yeah. no anyway <laughs> Earl's awesome anyway uh so anyway going to the game thinking hey man just get a good pitch to hit uh this guy's tough and just try to stay through the middle of the field just keep it simple so um get a base hit my first at bat and then third at bat i, I jack one out and, and you know, sprinting around the bases and, uh, you know, just thinking like, wow, this is, this is really cool. So um, it was a pleasure to play, you know, in Candlestick Park for the first time uh, in my first game. Um, and we would go on to play in Dodger Stadium. So it was just, uh, you know, every, everything you do when you get called up is just a moment. And, you know, I think the faster you embrace the fact that you belong um, and if you don't, you know, you're going to get slaughtered and you're getting sent down to AAA. So it, you know, you've got to embrace it and be respectful and understand that these guys were here before you and, and know about the history. But at the same time, you got to get past that and go, I belong here. And the faster you do that, you know, you're, you, you not only do you stay, but you stay, stay for a lengthy period of time. You mentioned you're from Northern California. Do you have a lot of family and friends at your first game? I did. I mean, we, there was probably 150 people there. Uh, they had a couple of busloads of people came down. So it was you know, a lot of high school, um, you know, former coaches, a lot of family, of course. And, and, uh, my grandmother was there and I can't remember, you know, how old she was then. She was like 90 or 91. And she was sitting on the left, on the, on our, our side of the field. And I had her like second row and had, she had these really tall guys, uh, sitting in front of her, but somehow it came up that, you know, I was just the grandson and, you know, during the game, whatever. So I hit that blast that ball, the right, you know, right center, and uh, hit the home run, and these guys are standing up going, they're cheering, going nuts, right? And they, But they're standing up right in front of Grandma. And, <laughs> and the guy turns to my grandmother, bless her heart, and she, he goes, he goes, Grandma, Grandma, did you see your, your grandson just hit home run? She goes, yeah, I would have seen it if you would have sat down. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was just so funny. Like, uh, you know, some of those stories I remember, she's just a great lady, but for her to be able to come there and see me play in my first game was pretty awesome. Uh, Jenks, uh, you go through this journey and it takes a lot. Uh, obviously, coaches influence you. Uh, any player that took you under their wing that you remember that says, you know what, they made it a lot easier for me and I'm very thankful to pass that on? Yeah, a couple guys. There's probably three guys I point to, to be honest. Um, uh, Vonnie, Greg Vaughn was just when I first got there. You know, baseball has this way of having the changing of the guard thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brian Braun came and that was kind of my changing the guard. And I, I came and GV moved out to, I believe he went to San Diego after he yep. left Milwaukee and had, has had an amazing career, but he was great from the moment I got there. You know, I'm not sure if this kind of stuff still goes on, but every day I had to make sure Vonnie had a paper and, a, and I had to bring in two dozen donuts to spring training. That was my deal. Like I, he had to have a paper and I had to bring two dozen donuts, but he wasn't punishing me. He, you know, he was embracing, he was trying to teach me the fact that, Hey, respect, respect the players, respect the older players. You know, let me give you a little task. Let me see if you can perform this and just be a good teammate. So it was, it was little life lessons, you know, but, but, and I would hand those on later on, whether it's you're on the road and you're buying a kid a suit or maybe a watch for someone because they hit, hit their 30th home run. I remember doing that for Billy Hall. Um, Just little things, you know, you, you would, you would pass those things on it. And I hope, that those things are getting passed on. Although it's a little bit different in the, you know, the clubhouses, the kids are getting pushed so fast now into the clubhouses that 
feel like the young guys are kind of the veterans now, the veterans, mm-hmm. feel like, you know, the guys that are, that are in the middle of the whole scenario. But I do hope in most clubhouses that that still goes on because I remember being uh, so humbled by Jeff Cirillo taking me under his wing and Marquise Grissom helping me in the outfield and, and Darren Jackson, who was on 17 one-year contracts in the big leagues, after, you know, helping me out, like just amazing, amazing people that helped me understand you know, how to play the game, but also to respect the game, you know, being on time, making sure your uniform's on correct and, and just, uh, you know, really embracing being a major leaguer. When you look at it too, uh, some of the cool things and cool aspects of your rookie year is you realize, and you made a good point too, you realize that you got to almost feel like you belong and it takes some time with that. One of those moments that you feel that you belong is when you finally see your rookie card. You've probably had cards uh, in the minor leagues, prospect cards, but that rookie card is special. What, what did it mean to you? You know, there was, I think there was two things that was just, I remember, cause I, I, I played a bunch of video games too growing up, whether it was Nintendo, whatever, Africa, whatever, Atari and all that stuff. But so seeing your first baseball card and being in your first video game for me, that was like right. so, so cool. The fact that you're playing the game and you're like using yourself as a hitter. I mean, it was, <laughs> It's really, really cool. So now these guys play MLB The Show. My son does and stuff. So they're using Tatis and all these other guys. But but uh, they still don't believe me. You know, I can't even I can't even get the game. It's so old. But, but but honestly, like seeing your first baseball card. And now once you play, you you know we've got tons and tons and tons of them. But the first time you do see that that card, and you know you can get that for your friends or you know, your buddies or former players or you know coaches. It's it definitely special. You know, Jeff, 10 seasons in the big leagues is such an accomplishment. Fewer than 10% of the men who ever put on a big league uniform ever see 10 years. You do 10 with just the Brewers before you go to Philly, as we'd already talked about for your World Series year. But when you look back at the 10 years, you have so many special teammates, and Sween's among them back in 2000, 2001. Uh, Is it true what they say, that it's those relationships that you're left with at the end that mean more to you and that you miss more than actually lacing up the spikes day to day? Yeah. I mean, I think they're both really, really important. I think you, I think you love them both, but you know, baseball is your second family. And for the most part, it's almost your first family until you have a family. So you're at that clubhouse for a seven, 7 PM game. Most guys are getting there at noon, 1230, one o'clock for a home game. So, and then you don't leave till 11, 1130. That's if you're lifting weights after the game. So it's, it's a full day and then it's rinse, repeat, right? You come back and you do it. It's groundhog day. You do it again. So if you don't get along with these people that are in the clubhouse, I mean, it's, it's going to make for long days and, and for a long career. So that's why I think the guys that, that, you know, aren't good at that. And, and, you know, aren't people person that just like, they get weeded out. I feel like, um, unless their athletic ability is so good, they, they just need to stay on the team, but you really do need to learn how to be a good teammate because you're there so many hours with, whether it's watching video or, you know, you know, we're playing cards together, or we're doing the crossword, we're, we're hitting the cage together. Now we're taking BP batting practice together or infield, and then we're hanging out after the game. So it's just, you really, really need to embrace your teammates. Um, you know, some you may not care for others, but you still have to respect them and need to treat them like, you know, you, you do everybody else. Jenks, uh, the pleasure of me being on seven different teams is going around and, and having teammates like you, uh, being able to watch guys that respect the game, put the time in, um, becoming that all-star because of the work that you put in. Also, the most important thing in watching you is I, I, I watched you in number five. Uh, to me, if someone says Jeff Jenkins, I, I say number five. Um, what was the reasoning behind that number? You know, I, so 
I think what happened is when I, when I was at USC, um, my brother was number eight. So I want to be, want to, you know, take my brother's number. So I, I, I definitely did that there. But um, I think when I went, once I went into pro ball, it was, it was kind of time for me to kind of make my own way and get my mm -hmm. own number. Um, when I went to the Phillies, of course, Burl had it. And that was, had a vice grip on that. There was no chance of me getting number five from Pat Burl. So, but I chose five because it was just, it was a number that was available. And, uh, you know, it just kind of clicked for me. I said, you know, it's, it's my time to, you know, make my own way and, and start my own, you know, a model. So I just uh, chose number five. And, and for me, I, you know, there's a lot of good number fives, but for me, I, I think about Albert Pujols all the time because he just, what an amazing player is to play against him for, for that long and, and uh, you know, watch what he did. So for me, that was, when I think of number five, I think about Pujols, but I really appreciate it. It's a nice comedy you make about me and us playing together. It was, it was definitely a pleasure playing with you, bud. When you, when you look at it, and I appreciate that, buddy, because uh, that's what resonates with me looking back at my career. Teammates, uh, it's an easy answer. Yes, you have those moments. Um, you have the ability to um, enjoy your, your journey. Uh, one of the enjoyments, and I think people need to understand this too, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of joking. Um, I love this story, and it's one of my favorites because I love lookalikes. Right. And it's one of my favorites. OK, so we go to St. Louis and I don't know how it went down, but I think it was me, you and Mark Loretta. And we're in St. Louis. We're having breakfast and we eat a breakfast. We're talking. We're joking around. And I hope you remember this because uh, the server comes up and you said, can I get the check? And she said, uh, sir, it's all taken care of. And you said we all were shocked. We're like, you know, who took care of it? So we're looking around the room. And she said, well, a fan of yours really uh, enjoys your, your, your work. And uh, he, he just wanted to buy your breakfast. So, and, he, and you go, oh, thank you, a Brewers fan. She goes, oh, no, no, um, this, he's a huge Packers fan. Uh, someone thought you looked like Brett Favre. So to me, uh, if anyone, listener, want to Google it, I think it's a good comparison. Do you remember that moment? And uh, what's, that, what's that remind you? So I'm pretty sure that that happened in Buckhead. We were, yeah. we, were playing, we were playing the Braves. And so I, I believe we were staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, that's right. Yes, it was. It was in Atlanta. And so uh, that's exactly how the story went down. It was, it was, you know, can I get the check? And, and the guy paid it. And, uh, you know, I, I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is actually a thing. And, and uh, you know, I ended up getting a meat farm. And he's such an awesome guy. So before, but before you meet someone, you don't, you're like, okay, fine. I look like someone. Then when I, we brought him out for batting practice, and he almost blew his back out, too, trying to take <laughs> But um, I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy, this is, yeah, this is my, uh, my twin. So it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, he actually got people saying it to him, and he had such a good time with it. He goes, hey, man, everyone always asking me about you, too, so don't think it's just you. Don't. So he was yeah. really nice about it, and, and just a class act and a fun guy to have out there. Hey, that's a nice guy to uh, be compared to. Uh, and you guys in Wisconsin, you guys, you did your damage. Uh, what was your greatest experience, uh, if it resonates, uh, in a Milwaukee uniform? I mean, there's a few. Opening Miller Park, um, having the president come out, throwing out the first pitch, just and having him come in the clubhouse, uh, President Bush, just was, uh, you know, what a what a amazing night i mean if anyone ever gets to even meet a president that's pretty cool but, mm -hmm. but for him to go through the clubhouse and really take his time and as we know he was a baseball owner so he was already you know really into coming in there and meeting us and you know knew about all of us knew about our stats and what we had done and positions we play and everything and um forget what he told me but he told me that he was 
he liked the way I played and he thought that I, I was, uh, I played a lot like Rusty Greer in, in, uh, <laughs> nice. in Texas. So it was cool. And Rusty was a great player. So, um, that was my experience with him. And, uh, you know, opening Miller park was a big one. And then for me, my, my final game where, where, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, Ned Yost pulled me off the field and, uh, you know, I jogging in, giving hugs to the guys, to JJ Hardy and Ricky Weeks, all those guys and, and, uh, and Bronny and, and, you know, it just, that was the culmination of kind of my changing of the guard. And for me to be able to tip my cap to the crowd and, and be cheered off the field, it was, it was kind of a gladiator moment for me. And it was just a, a fun deal. I, I think everyone knows that I really respected putting on that uniform every day. I know we had some really bad teams, um, but it didn't mean we didn't come there prepared and, and trying to win ball games all the time. Sometimes you just don't have the, you know, the team to pull off the wins, but um, you know, there wasn't a day that I didn't put that uniform on that I wasn't prepared and, and hyped and, and ready to try to get a W. You know, Jeff, you're mentioning special moments at Miller Park. How about 10 years in a day after your debut? You go back to Miller, but this time as a visitor. And it was quite a tribute and honor. What was that like for you? Surreal, man. Just, it was weird. When you play, you know, you're forgetting the minor leagues too. So it's the better part of 13 years, you know, with, with all the minor leagues, two and a half, three years in the minor. So really it's like my, my whole life I've been a brewer and you know, you make relationships, uh, you make relationships with, with everyone through the front office, um, scouts, um, you know, people on the field. Um, it's just media. I mean, it's, you, you really, you know, if you're, if you're around that long, you forge relationships with hundreds of people, it seems like. So yeah, it, it you know, comes full circle. And of course we're playing the Brewers in the playoffs. Um, and I couldn't have been more happy for them you know, going to get CC Sabathia and him just coming in and being the, you know, the workhorse and just really driving them to the postseason. But, um, you know, we ended up, ended up beating them. Um, and of course, you know, I'm on the other team, so I'm not, not going to be happy that we win the game, but definitely I wouldn't even call it bittersweet because it's, there was zero bitterness because I was like, stoked to keep, you know, keep playing and move on. But um, I was just generally happy for the Brewers and the organization that has been through a lot of stuff and, you know, tend to kind of lean on a lot of the, the uh, 82 Brewer stuff. And it was nice for them to kind of have some new moments for them to, to really cherish in and, and move forward. And for Mark Adonazio, who's done such an amazing job running that team as the owner, uh, bringing in players and, and, and helping them, you know, get to the postseason now several times. So uh, kudos to them for really putting uh, the time and the money into, you know, having an organization that's, that's getting to the postseason now. Hey, speaking of special moments, let's go back to the middle time, your tenure in, in uh, Milwaukee, 2003. You make an all-star team, hit 296 on the year, 28 homers, 95 runs driven in. What was that experience like? You find out, you make the team. Walk us through at that point, and then actually getting in the clubhouse, seeing the guys. Yeah, I mean, pretty awesome. I mean, you know, for the most part, managers, you know, hold it close to the vest until they know um, – you know, but, you know, after a game, just pulled us, pulled us all in, said, you know, I got a team meeting and, you know, they hand you the little card that, and, you know, they say congratulations. The guys are super stoked for you, obviously, to make your, your first one. And, and uh, for, you know, if you make more than one, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, to be able to go to one, I, I think the, the story that resonates with me, though, is at the All-Star break, one of my best friends and Sweeney's good buddy, too, is Aaron Boone. And I played at college at USC with Aaron. We were in each other's weddings, just super best friends. Now, all of a sudden, we're playing in the big leagues against each other uh, in the Central. Just couldn't couldn't really draw draw the script up any better than that. But Aaron made the All Star team as well, and we were playing the Reds the last three games before the All Star break. So we got a limo together 
and we drove from Milwaukee in the limo together, uh, you know, to Chicago where we were playing the all-star game. So it just, the stars aligned. And, and I remember us like sitting kind of like looking at each other going, you know, and Booney said at first, he goes, can you believe that we're going to the all-star game right now? And not to say that we didn't think we deserved it, but it was just, it's just another one of those moments where if you have respect for the game and, you know, all the hard work and, and, you know, the sweat and the, the, the injuries and the tears and the, you know, happiness, sadness, slumps, success, it's all kind of, it's just the all-star games. Like it's the epitome of, Hey, you, you put your time in and you're getting rewarded for something that, you know, this didn't, this started at five years old. So it's, it's cool to see that culmination. Jenks, it's really cool. I mean, you have that moment with Aaron. His brother also makes the All-Star game, which uh, Brett Boone is in there on the American League side. There was a lot of uh, subplots to to that. Also, Richie Sexton, another good friend of yours, uh, makes the All-Star team. Uh, what do you remember about it? Was it the home run derby? Was it the introductions on the foul line? Uh, what was the most important moment for that day for you? Um. So the coolest moment for me, to be honest, because I was, you know, you're just a sponge in those moments. You know, you're going to, you want to go talk to Larry Walker. You want to go to talk to Ken Griffey, all these guys. So I only got several few moments with those guys, uh, but I got like 20 minutes with Barry Bonds in the outfield during batting practice, you know, and I just, it was in those 20 minutes that I learned that I just wasn't going to be as good as him. (laughs) So no, I mean, and I mean that with the utmost, most respect, because in those 20 minutes, I remember leaving that conversation because I was asking about my leg kick and, you know, how, how do you, you're just, you're always on time. And, you know, you, do you think about your foot getting down? Just, I just asked him about, you know, really cool hitting stuff that I, that I took away from that. But when I got done, I just realized, dude, this guy's a Savant. Like he's, this is Albert Einstein. This is, I mean, this, this is like one of the greatest people we'll ever see swing a bat. And it's just, it's, it was so easy for him. And he talked about how he used to catch it in the net in the sweet spot I was back and I'm like man I, I don't think like that so it just it, it made me a better player because I, I wanted to hear like here, here's here's this guy that's you know one of the best of all time and to hear it come out of his mouth about just mechanics and different things and it was just it was an awesome like 20 minute conversation and I, and I remember walking away from that going I'm gonna be a better player because of it. You know, Jenks, I love that you say that because uh, what are we all fascinated about? We're trying to tear down Barry Bonds. Uh, I was a teammate of his. Um, I always think of things as an individual um, conversations. I don't look at it from the big picture that a lot of people do in the game of baseball. Barry Bonds, to me, was the only superstar that could break it down very easily. And you mentioned it, like catching the ball. There's two things that resonate with me with what Barry taught me when I was in a Giants uniform. Catch the ball on the barrel of the bat, which really sounds pretty simple, but it's hard to do. Uh, the other thing is he always mentioned eliminating pitches. And to me, uh, when you're taking at bats or you're watching at bats this day and age, what can you eliminate from that type of pitcher? He would sit in his locker I'd come up and I'd be I'd be starting that particular day and I'd say, hey, man, what do you got on him? He said, man, the curveball is nothing. He's a two pitch pitcher. To me, that is what makes him that special. So I absolutely love that conversation that you had, because you know what? You were better after that conversation and you know it. That's what makes it so great about this game of baseball. I want to take you back to the Brewers in that uniform because there's some special history in that game. 
I don't need you to elaborate on these guys, but I think it's very important for our listeners to understand the Brewers had unbelievable talent in that uniform. And I want to start with Robin Yount. What did he mean to you in, in, uh, in that, uh, that sense? And how important was he in your career? So, uh, and it's awesome because I see Robin once in a while at our, at our golf course. And, but when I think of Robin Yount, it's, it's, uh, it's toughness, it's grit, it's, it's uh, man, all the things you really want to be as a player, um, you know, the, the accountability part, you know, the, the being on time, the, um, you know, being a good teammate, you know, and, and I think when you, you, you talk to other people about a certain person, when every single person talks about how great someone is, you want to see it for yourself, just like, you know, you, all these people said stuff about Barry and you're like, I want to see for myself. I'll make mm-hmm. my own decision. Like, I'm not going to just be like, you know, yeah, I don't like him. Like, no, I want to, I want to meet the guy. I want to. So having Robin around early on uh, as a young player, uh, helping out in spring training, and then eventually being a coach on our team, helping out as a bench coach. Um, you know, he's the type of guy you would go ask questions to. You know, I would go through these little slumps where I was, I was lunging forward a little bit with my leg kick and, and, you know, he, he would really help me out with the mindset of getting back to, you know, hitting the ball through the middle of the field. And that would help me stay back a lot better. So just little things, I, you know, I don't think Robin was a man of big words and big conversations, but when he spoke to you, um, I think it was very targeted and very, very great and very good information, if not great information that could to help you be a great player. How about Jim Gantner? Oh, Ader Gant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How's it going there, Gant? You doing good today, huh, bud? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, Gant, Gant was great. You know what? Um, man, the guy's just, uh, he's just salt of the earth, man. He, he, he's around the clubhouse, um, you know, hitting his fungos and, and helping out in batting practice, throwing some batting practice. But he's just a really good clubhouse guy. Um, and you can see why he played so long and why those guys, the Harvey Wallbangers and those guys from back in the day had so much fun together. Um, probably because there was no cell phone cameras, but other than that, yeah, but, yeah. But that's no, so they, true. They were awesome. Like all those guys come around and, you know, and, and the time that I've gotten a chance to come back during spring training or help out, it's, I really embrace that. I, I, I see, you see a lot of yourself in, in some of these young players and not necessarily in their swing, but just in their demeanor and their, and their, their fight and, and their want to be on that field and have that uniform on and, and kind of that cockiness a little bit. And just to have, all that combined in one player, you're like, okay, that kid's going to be, he's going to be a player. Like you can, I can tell now, like I can, you know, I can tell the guys that are, that have a really good shot to be a great player. For our listeners. And this is special because we're talking about uh, an unbelievable broadcaster. Um, he sat in the first seat on team buses, by the way. And it was for a reason, Bob Euchre. The man, I mean, there's a man. I tell you what, you know, and every time, especially on our teams where we had these losing streaks, and you know, you had a way of, of he, he would maybe one time he'd be at the, the hotel bar that we were at having a you know, beer after the game or, um, you know, he would come in that clubhouse. And, you know, he was always in that clubhouse every day for and he would do his interview in the, in the, you know, with the manager or with another player in the dugout. And he was so professional about that stuff. But he just had a way of like telling a really good story to loosen us up at, at, at great times, whether it was on that field during batting practice or, um, you know, and I asked him one time, I said, Yuke, I said, dude, you're one of the funniest guys I've ever met, of course. But I'm like, who makes you laugh? Like who, like who, is there somebody, there's gotta be a comedian that makes you laugh. And he, he goes with the straightest face, he goes, Jeff, he goes, I don't want this to come off like, you know, I'm a bad person, but no one makes me laugh. Wow. No one. And I go, wow. He goes, yeah. He goes, 
that's my gig. And I, I know that I, I'm, tr I'm trying to make people laugh because I just don't think anyone else is funny. <laughs> and I thought that was, I started busting up. I'm like, yeah. even that's funny. So the guy just, he's a, he's a legend, man. He's, he's the Ben Scully. He's a, you know, he's, he's up there now. So he's, he's a stud. Uh, hey, listen, I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, that guy could make anyone laugh. The room changed when he was in it. Um, uh, unbelievable broadcaster as well. Uh, you played left field, County Stadium, uh, also Miller Park. Uh, right behind you was Bernie's slide, Bernie Brewer, which we always talk about. We see him with home runs. Have you ever gone down the slide, Jenks? Uh, I've gone down it one time, and I've also ran in the sausage race, which nobody <laughs> knows. <laughs> So How, how'd that go down? Well, I, I would always say like, God, if I, you know, you know, if I'm ever, of course I would never do it on a game day, but if, I'm, if I was on the DL or I had a day off, I was like, I'm going to, I have to do it. Like, it's just, it's one of those things like it's a bucket list. Like there's no way I've been here for 10 years. Like I have to do it. So, and to see my calves out of the bottom of the hot dog, right. probably pretty <laughs> special. But anyway, so these, just to give you a little background, these guys take this thing really serious. Like they, they, it's sometimes I think they have a plan of who, who's probably going to win and they keep it close, but I don't know about all this. So I'm two days. I think I had a wrist deal that I was or a broken finger. I was coming back from and I two days. So I'm like, it's now or never. So right. I, go, I go down, I tell the guys I'm doing it today. So I go down, uh, get the hot dog suit on. Now we're on the field. Now this thing has vision about this wide. Yeah. And you can't, you can't turn or you'll, you'll fall over. So it's, once you're in it, you can do this one and turn, but you can't, once the race starts, it's literally just forward, forward looking. So you start on the right field, the right field, sorry, the left field line, run all the way around, you know, the, the first base side past our dugout. And I am pocket to nose going as fast as I can possibly go. I beat these guys by like 10 lengths. Like it's not even, it's a joke how bad I beat them, but I don't know this. And I cross the finish line as, as I'm going past the dugout. Guys are throwing water at my feet because everyone knows I'm doing it, but you know, but the manager. So I, I finished doing it, and then I finally kind of turn around, and they're still like almost running to the finish line, and um, they were laughing about it. They were like, "You're supposed to make the race close. You're not supposed to beat us by that bad." But they were laughing about it. It was an awesome, awesome deal, and I'm so glad that I did it. How'd your calves look? Large, pretty large. I mean, it's you know, it's they're called shavs because they just go straight into. <laughs> You know, yeah. So it's uh, you know, the, the thigh and the calf is kind of one leg, but you know, we can't all have everything there, Mark. <laughs> so your life as a fashion model didn't pan out, but the baseball yeah. thing seemed to do okay. Well, that's why my fantasy football names can't Kinkles. That's why they, they named it Kinkles. Love it. Hey, the uh, the career wraps up as we've talked about. Two thousand eight, you win the World Series. Kind of a perfect mic drop moment for you. Um, what went into that thought of retirement at that moment? And, and did you have something else already in your immediate timeline and horizon? Um, well, well, so to backtrack, so we win the World Series in 08. So in 09, uh, I'm still under contract with Philly. And we go back to spring training. And, and uh, we were really left-hand dominant on the team. I mean, we just had, we must have had like nine or 10 left-handed hitters. Uh, and so kind of knew the writing was going to be on the wall for someone. Uh, you know, probably on the bench, whether it was me and probably not Dobbs because he was younger, me or Stairs and Stairs, he just hit major tanks. So I kind of had a feeling that I could be the odd man out, but went through spring training. I, I just did not play well in spring training. Had a terrible spring training. So worst part was they told me the day before the team teams were getting going to break, break camp. They told me that I didn't make the team that day. So I was, you know, it sucked for me because I, 
if, if I would have known this maybe a week before, we could have, you know, looked into some other scenarios or, or this or that. But it, uh, they offered me to go to AAA, uh, play every day, get your, get your swing back, and, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, I'll call, get you, get you, getting you called up later on. Or we can let you be a free agent. And I just thought with my track record and everything going on that I could have a chance to, you know, get on with another team. So chose that route and didn't go to AAA. And had two or three other teams ask me to, you know, come play AAA, but I was waiting for a big league job that just never came. So <clears throat> I kind of, you know, made my own bed by not taking one of those jobs. At the end of the day, um, you know, I wish I would have taken the Phillies, you know, AAA job and just got my swing back and just kept playing. But it is what it is. You get done playing. You're very thankful. Um, so I ended up going into retirement after that. And, uh, you know, it's just you're, you're as a player, you always think like, God, can I, I can play one more year. I can play one more. But once you're done doing it and you make that decision and you're just like, you ride off into the sunset, there's this moment of, I, I think, uh, of happiness that you, you, of what you've accomplished and what you've done and the people you've affected and, and the players you've played with. So it's, uh, you know, then you're happy for everything. You know, one of the benefits, clearly, one of the many benefits is that when you're retiring from this line of work, you're still in real life a very young man with a yeah. lot of life ahead of you. So how you been filling your days and what's on the forecast for you? Well, I have been playing a bunch of golf. Uh, I do I do really enjoy that game. Uh, you know, I play a couple times a week, but uh, you know, other than that, I've I've uh, I've actually gone and gone into business. I've opened up these F forty five training facilities, three of them, uh, and it's been really fun and rewarding to not only kind of stay in shape in the afterlife, but you know, it's it's nice to be running a business and try to make money at something that you're helping other people try to stay healthy as well. So it's um it's been kind of a a different reward for thinking there's no chance that I could ever be a part of running a business to, wow, this is really fun. And, and, and it's a different type of rewarding than hitting a home run and running around the bases. Uh, Jeff, and you also are raising a family, two beautiful children with your wife. Um, what's that like? Are you involved with the sports that your, your kids are, are involved with? I mean, with everything. And, you know, I coached coach justice. He's 12 years old. We just got back from Cooperstown a few weeks ago. Uh, took our team there and, and uh, it just, we did so good at that. And, and, you know, uh, now I'm going to coach him in all stars as 12 year old all-star team. We actually start, we start today. Um, so it's going to be a, a lot of fun. It's super rewarding. You know, you're trying to pass on some of the things that, that, that have been taught to you, to the, to these young kids. Um, and, you know, I've had them now for a couple of years coaching them. And I really think uh, it's, I've always, I remember hearing coaches talk about how rewarding it is when you, when you coach something and then they go apply that and then they take it to the field and then they have success. And then as the coach, you're like, wow, I mean, that's really neat. Like I taught them something and they weren't doing it forever. Then all of a sudden the light came on and now they're doing it, you know, and that could be something as simple as with a 12 year old, you know, walking into the play, being prepared, um, you know, where do I go when I don't have the ball? You know, what base do I throw to? Do you know how many outs there are? Where are the base runners? Um, you know, should I change the eye level of the, of the hitter now? You know, they're learning that stuff too. So it's to see the light go on and see these situations and watch them do this stuff. Um, it's, it's really rewarding. Yeah. Your, your, your passion for the game has brought you into that, at, you know, raising your kids, but also, uh, you've dabbled in broadcasting a little bit when rock was going through some stuff off the field. Um, is there any interest in staying in the game? Is there any interest in uh, going in and, and saying, you know what, I'd like to, I'd like to manage your coach someday. Yeah, I think COVID COVID was a, a you know, sidetracked a lot, of, a lot of things, um, you know, teams hunkered down and didn't really, you know, 
want to bring on new people and in different situations. Um, I really enjoyed doing that, that TV stuff with Brock and, and, and BA. And, and uh, I got to go down on the, by the dugout and do that stuff. I did the, you know, I did the full games up there. I think, I think we did four games, but in spring training. And I, I really liked it. It was, it was a lot of fun. And this year I think was tough just based on we're coming out of COVID and also uh, my son being so busy and my daughter plays golf tournaments. So just a tough year, I think, a year that I really didn't want to miss all the all the kids stuff. Um, but moving forward, absolutely. Well, Jeff, and I, I do have to ask you before we cut you loose, you ever wish you spelled your name with a J, a simple E-F-F? <laughs> it is the English spelling. Uh, yes, I did get made fun of uh, growing up. Uh, Goff, Goff, Joff, Joff. I mean, there's, there's so G many. G-off. 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 Yeah, well, so... But yeah, no, it, it, it was, it was, but in the end, you know, my parents always told me that, you know, you're original, you, nobody has this thing, so now you're cool, so anyway. Well, original you are, and uh, Jeff Jenkins, our guest on this episode of Major League Beginnings, can't thank you enough, boy, 11 seasons uh, in the big leagues, you're an all-star World Series champ, the pride of USC, and a good friend of Mark Sweeney's in tolerating us both today, we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, I appreciate it. Well, folks, thanks for checking out Major League Beginnings presented by Bet Online. And if you had as much fun as we did, please go ahead, hit the subscribe button anywhere you usually download your podcast from. You pick the platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.